What's up, everyone? It's Taylor Kyles here for CLNS Media, and I'm joined today by my first guest ever. He's a QB expert and one of SB Nation's best and brightest, Mark Schofield. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy in-depth football analysis, a little bit of F1 racing, or the song Africa by Toto, you are going to love him as much as I do. Mark, buddy, thank you so much for coming on. Taylor, it is an honor to be here. It is an honor to be your first guest. Um, very excited to be here. Uh, very excited to talk about this Patriots class. I thought it was, you know, a very Belichick-like draft class, but I do like it from mm -hmm. top to bottom. So I'm excited to dive in. And again, man, it, it's a blast to see you think the world of you, buddy, and can't thank you enough for having me on. Feeling is mutual, my man. And I know that you recently got a chance to interview, speaking of F1 racing, Lando Norris. So first and foremost, I want to know what that was like for you. Pretty epic opportunity and what that was like. Yeah, uh, it was an incredible opportunity. Um, what was most fascinating about it is, you know, F1 kind of reached out to me. Um, to sort of set that up, it wasn't a situation where I reached out to them, which I thought was actually pretty cool because, you know, F1, they're trying to expand here in the States. Um, so anytime they see sort of coverage here stateside, they're very excited about that. So, you know, got to talk to him last Tuesday before the draft. It was weird, you know, you're getting into like draft mode, you're doing interviews about quarterbacks and stuff like that. And then you have to, pardon the pun, shift gears and and talk to an F1 driver. Um, you know, but it's fascinating because he's one of 20 people in the world that does the job. So it's a pretty exclusive club of athletes. Um, I talked to him before the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And he sort of walked me through the track, like each turn, each corner, each straight, each DRS zone and what to expect. And hey, beyond all that, he finished in the points. And so if you're sort of one of the teams that's looking to get into the points in an upcoming race, say Alfa Romeo, Alfa Dari, you know who to talk to now. Uh, apparently, there's a little bit of good luck that, that I can spread around. But you know, it was fantastic. Thank you to McLaren and Lando for, for taking the time to chat with me and, you know, hoping to get a couple more driver interviews, um, you know, might even be down in Austin in October. There's talk of me getting to go down there for that, or maybe it, in addition, <laughs> Vegas in November uh, for the first Las Vegas Grand Prix. So, you know, it's fun because the draft ends and I just go right into F1 and F1 gets me through the summer right into, you know, the start of training camp. So it, it, it's a fun time. I love the sport. I love the strategy, you know, the sort of X's and O's of F1 too. Um, so it's a ton of fun. And, and getting to chat with Lando was surreal. Good to see that big brain and all that hard work of yours pay off, man. That's really cool. You're kind of saving like the way, that. like you said. That's awesome, man. All right. So now I guess we will shift to draft mode, pun intended, on my yep. end. Uh, so from a New England Patriots perspective, what for you were maybe the bigger surprises for who they selected? And was there anybody who you were like, yeah, this is probably someone who's in their area and then they wound up taking them? Um, you know, if for those of my colleagues at SB Nation who were in our Slack channel on Thursday night, they literally rode the roller coaster ride with me. Um, I'll preface it with this. Christian Gonzalez was my CB1. I, I absolutely loved him. Um, loved studying him, um, did a big piece on him, you know, weeks ago about why he's CB1. And I got really into the weeds on five Cougar, which is a, a save in coverage, um, mm -hmm. where he's out wide. You make a man turn, try to bait the corner to throw the out route. And then you're reading it over your inside shoulder. You trap the flat route from the inside receiver, the number two receiver. And he made a play against UCLA where he makes that man coverage turn DTR, you know, throws a flat route to the tight end and Gonzalez stops on a dime, breaks on it, lights up the tight end, causes a PBU. And, and as I wrote in the piece, like 
for me, that was a sort of put the pen down, close the Google spreadsheet moment. Like he's CB1. He's fantastic. And right. so this entire, entire draft process, I've been telling anybody that would listen. And, you know, people told me too, it's like, he's a Belichick corner. Cause you just, you take him, you put him on an Island, whether it's wide receiver one, wide receiver, doesn't matter. He could do everything you want, but he's scheme diverse. He had a pick against Colorado where they run post wheel and he's matching the post route and comes off at the break on the wheel and gets the pick because they're in a zone, you know, single high structure, three deep structure, and he reads it perfectly. And so this entire process, it's been, I love this kid. I absolutely love him. He'll be off the board by six. So there's no way, you know, and then as it plays out, he's sliding down the board a little bit and I'm like, okay, as I was screaming in the in the slack room, Belichick's going to ch- get a chance to draft him, but he's going to trade out. I just know he's going to trade out, and it's going to break my heart. And then the trade comes, and it's Pittsburgh. It's like, okay, well, they're coming up for alignment. We know that. Yeah. But they're going back to 17. And everybody I've talked to here in Washington told me for months, Rod Rivera's drafted a corner. Like, whatever you do your mock draft, put a corner there. It doesn't matter. Joey Porter, you know – Emmanuel Forbes, who they ended up taking, but they're drafting a corner. So now I'm sitting there. I'm like, yes, Emmanuel Forbes is a great scheme fit for Washington. And that would make a lot of sense. But never in a million years did Ron Rivera think he's going to have Christian Gonzalez staring him in the face. So the Patriots just traded out of 14 with a chance to draft the perfect corner for Belichick. And they fumbled it away. And there's the name, Emmanuel Forbes. And I just go crazy because I'm like, okay, there's no way now. There's no way they're going to pass on him. And of course, they ended up drafting him. I thought it was an absolutely, absolutely, absolutely perfect pick. Um, Look, Marte at 76. Um, Mm -hmm. When you see the Schefter tweet that says the first non-combine invite is drafted by Bill Belichick, it makes perfect sense. You know, they they do things differently. Um, And I know that there was a lot of thought that like, hey, you know, maybe in this deep tight end class, they're going to draft a tight end. And Tucker Kraft, the San Diego State tight end, I mean, South Dakota State, excuse me, tight end is staring you in the face. And they don't. They they go with Marty, who I think is sort of a, you know, long-ish term developmental prospect. I mean, are you going to line him weak side linebacker to start? Are you going to play him as a safety? Are you going to put him in that hybrid safety linebacker role? We've seen players like Chun and others sort of fill. Um, but they certainly liked something with him. And, you know, the more I do the draft, the more I realize the grades from us on the outside don't matter. Like, mm-hmm. get your guys. If they, you see something of this kid and – an idiot like me thinks, oh, you know, he's more of a day three pick, but you like him a lot. Just draft him. Go get him. Go get your players. And so, mm-hmm. you know, through that lens, I think that pick makes sense. Um, and we can get into the interior offensive lineman who I really like as well. But I, I thought it was a very good draft. Um, there's been, you know, a lot of high grades on it. Some not so high grades, draft grades, you know, they're they're a fun little exercise here in the moment. But of course, they need time to sort of figure out how guys do in the NFL. But you know, from a process perspective, from getting Gonzalez, there's a lot, I think, to like. Yeah. And I was doing our live CLS draft show, but I really wish I could have seen your reaction when Forbes is taken. That sounds like yeah, a jippable so Mark Schofield moment. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not, it's certainly not like the, you know, now we talk ourselves into Mac Jones moment that we had, right. you know, on the live stream of our Pat's pulpit a couple of years ago right. when we were seeing Justin Fields come and a team's traded up and then it's Chicago. And we know what's going to happen there. Um, but it was just a stream of capital letters, like six paragraphs long of just, <laughs> you know, sheer excitement because look, Gonzalez, I think is everything you want in a modern corner. Like I know, yeah. 
you know, there's been some knock in recent days that maybe he's not physical. Maybe he doesn't come downhill. Maybe it's that Georgia game, man. It was that it's one Georgia a, game. <laughs> it's that one Georgia game. And B, like, in the first round, I'm drafting a corner for what they do in coverage. Like, yep. if you want to get a physical corner. Now, look, Devon Witherspoon, like, very physical player. Like, very little, you know, very sort of different and and so maybe that's what made Witherspoon the first cornerback taken. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I want to draft somebody I can put on an island. And the other reason why I'd like to bring up a play against UCLA is that was a physical play. Like he's mm-hmm. peeling off a receiver to trap a tight end and brings the lumber on the head to knock the ball away. Like that was a physical play. Like it, is it as consistent as Witherspoon? No, but I don't think there's been a corner in recent memory, or at least not in this class, that was perhaps as physical as Witherspoon because, you know, he played, uh, you know, like a, you know, Tasmanian devil at times, like right. just a very physical corner. And that's something that a lot of people loved about him. But, you know, for me, seeing what Gonzalez did in coverage, like that's a reason you draft a corner. Absolutely. And even Devin McCourty mentioned in our quick slants, I think it was yesterday, how Gilly, Stephon Gilmore, when the regular season, like he wasn't the most physical guy, you know, he wasn't going to throw his body into the fire if they were, you know, playing, you know, a, a worse Jets team in week seven. But he said once the playoffs came around and that's when you think of Gilmore, you he has plenty yeah. of tackles that you come to mind. And it was that thing where he was like, no, when it's playoff time, he knows you turn it on and that's when you really throw your body in there. And I saw that from Gonzalez, even in the Georgia game where people in a hundred percent, like he was getting tossed around a little bit, yeah. definitely was getting manhandled at the point of attack. But at the same time, there was the rep at the goal line where he gets off the block and makes the tackle right before the running back scores. He made a couple tackles in the alley. Like he'll make those plays when they're there to be made. But, you know, and this is where I think maybe if he adds to his frame a little bit more, he'll have more confidence in taking those guys on. Because, like, there was one where Darnell Washington was out there. Like, I'm sorry. Christian right. Gonzalez is not going to be like, oh, yeah, no, I got this. Like, that's another type, that's another offensive tackle, basically. Uh, but you mentioned the interior offensive linemen. And I do want to get your take there. Because, personally, I know Jake Andrews, I don't really like saying reach because it's the fourth round. Like, these are developmental guys who usually are more depth. Uh, some people thought, you know, there's some tight ends on the board who can make an impact, some receivers at that point, even some running backs, some skill players, basically. But I thought he was a pretty good pick in the sense that, you know, David Andrews is going to be around for long. One, the name, it's perfect. It's absolutely great. But right. he also worked with Cole Popovich, who was a co-offensive line coach for the Patriots in the past. And then obviously you got Sidney Sow, who's a guard who might also be a tackle. And then you got Antonio Mafi, who I really liked. I mocked him a couple times as a guard for them on day three. So for sure, let me know what you think about those guys, because I'm interested to hear yeah, first of all, I, I, there was a lot of thought that, like, why did they draft 15 interior offensive linemen? It's because they need the depth, first of all. Like, yeah. uh, like you look at their, you know, depth chart right now, they need interior offensive line depth. And, mm-hmm. you know, with Sal, the idea that his athleticism and his footwork might put you in a position where you could perhaps kick him outside, that's also something to keep in mind as well, because people are like, yo, you also need a tackle. Well, mm-hmm. they might have drafted you know, a developmental tackle there. So I think, you know, that was a nice pick with Andrews the center. I thought it was a, it's a good time to do that. Cause like you said, like David Andrews, he's had some health and some injury problems. Like, you know, he's one of my, one of the best centers in the league. I firmly believe that, but you know, you don't know is it's a demanding position. Maybe he's here for a couple of years, maybe not. And, and so adding sort of a center that has room to grow and could improve and pass protection and things like that. I thought that was a great move. Mafia. I, I absolutely love that pick. I absolutely love that pick. And he screams Patriot. You know, he was at the shrine. So you know that. 
you know, I think he had like a three, eight, six GPA, you know, and talked to some people at UCLA. They said, look, the kid like never missed an assignment on the field, like processes information, stunts, twists, interior games extremely well. That's a great foundation to build on. And plus you have the rugby background as well. You see him yeah. like, you know, playing rugby and slamming people around in high school. You like that. And look, the Patriots have drafted interior offensive linemen before that have come from different athletic backgrounds, wrestling mm-hmm. and things like that. And so, yeah. you know, the, the rugby background, it's a nod to the idea. I don't, I haven't seen the numbers Taylor from this year, but I know last year, something like 96% of the picks played multiple sports and in, in high school, cause you can mm-hmm. do different things. Last year, Alec Pierce, he was a volleyball player in high school, but had a 40 inch vertical. Yep. He had a 40 inch vertical. And I remember interviewing him for a pod and he was like, yeah, the only reason I had a 40 inch vertical, playing volleyball and so yeah i mean that's what he said he's like look i look you're jumping all the time like developing those calf muscles a lot differently than running routes and things like that which i thought was a brilliant point and you know who's the tight end from colorado state i'm blanking on his name right now but he played basketball and baseball i was talking to him about it he's like yeah you train different muscles you think differently you're reacting Mm -hmm. differently and so playing multiple sports if if you're listening and you're in high school and you're like how do i want to get to the nfl yeah, being good at football certainly helps, but Absolutely. play multiple sports. And so I, I love circling back here. I love the three-year tier offensive linemen. I thought they were great picks. Um, probably, like you said, all sort of developmental guys, but there's things to work with with all three that makes me excited about their potential. Absolutely, especially when you consider also James Friends is 33 years old. He's three years older than David Andrews when you talk about yeah. depth on the interior. And when he did have to play a lot of snaps last season, you saw, you know, a bit of a liability on those yeah. assists on blocks. Like he's not displacing guys and helping pass them off. And that really hurt the run game when David Andrews is out. So it made a lot of sense. Also, I would like to hear what you think philosophically. These are a lot of big, powerful guys. They're not in the Cole Strange mold, as I was looking through their depth chart, where it's that smaller guy who's super athletic. Like, he is now very much the outlier in the type of lineman they have. Cody Russi a bit, but obviously he was undrafted. And at the center position, you know, being on the smaller side isn't always the biggest disadvantage. Take a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, you got to get the app. The app's the way to go. It is so easy to use. You get great promotions every day with the app. It's safe and secure, and you get paid instantly. How about that? Instant cash with the FanDuel app. There's no better place to bet all your playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So do you think that there's anything there where, like, they're clearly trying to get bigger? Matt Groh even mentioned you can't get run through in pass protection. You know, does that, you know, mean anything for you? Yeah, I mean, it might mean a couple of things schematically. It might mean more of inside zone gap power, you know, Mm -hmm. certainly in the run game. And in terms of, you know, pass protection, it might be a nod to we might see a lot more quick game. You know, mm-hmm. because in terms of pass pro, at least, you know, and again, this is my sort of off the cuff interpretation of that. But like, if you're worried about run throughs, like you're worried about quick pressure, you right. know, you're worried about a quarterback not having a three step drop time to get it out. Um, and so getting bigger makes me think that they just want to make sure that they can get the ball out quickly. And that sort of comes to what we might hope to see for Mac Jones because at times over his first two seasons when he's in quick game you know four wide empty and things like that he's been pretty effective 
Mm-hmm. You know, if he can just yep. catch and release and read and rely on what he does pre-snap with his mind to pick matchups and dissect and diagnose the coverage and then catch, confirm, and release. That's sometimes when he's at his best. And so if they're going to go more quick game, more, you know, five-man protections, is just make sure that they're basing stuff up and, you know, getting stuff to the edges, but making sure that they're not letting run-throughs, some bigger guys might make sense. And so it could be a nod. Um, again, that's just a guess. I could be completely wrong here, but it looks like a – you know, gap power in the run game, base and up stuff, you know, five-man protections, getting the ball quickly in the passing game. Now, look, last year they thought they were going to go outside zone, wide zone, and, you know, maybe Strange was a nod to that, Mm -hmm. and now they've probably realized that, you know what, that's not where we're going to be. This might be the vision for the offense going forward. Absolutely, and it makes sense with Bill O'Brien. Like even Juju yeah. was saying yesterday, how the offense is getting different. The terminology, like I was saying, "Big boy football's back, baby." Yeah, like, yeah. We're doing the I real mean, stuff now. It, that's a nod <laughs> there, right? And he's talking about getting flashcards and having to go back yeah. to school. I mean, the offense is going to look a lot different. And mm-hmm. you know, these these th- again, I love the draft and free agency because there's no Bill Belichick or Grow or somebody on a podium saying like, "This is what we think about our roster." They're telling us what they think with the yeah. picks that they have to make, with the people mm-hmm. that they have to sign. And Juju, you know, a guy that operates out of the slot, like quick game, yardage after the catch, Jusecki, yeah. similar. And now these bigger guys, you know, up front, it, you can put the pieces together. Again, I might be wrong, but it does seem like we're going to see more quick game, get the ball out, inside zone, gap, power and stuff, playing between the tackles and the run game. You know, obviously they'll still do some stuff to the edges, but it seems like that's where this offense might be trending. And I like what you say that, like how we're seeing what they see as their roster needs, how they want to build it. Because, you know, for the draft, for example, I went in as one of the people who said, yeah, I do think it would be a huge difference maker if they could get a three-level threat like a Zay Flowers, who takes a lot of the pressure off everyone else and is someone the defense can actually fixate on, game plan around, et cetera, et cetera. However, listening to Juju yesterday, I started to think, okay, well, with Bill O'Brien, they're probably going to go more tempo like he did with Brady. Anytime Mac Jones has used tempo, and like you said, done the five wide, which we also know Bill O'Brien loves, he was much harder to defend because that's where he's better when he's in charge, picking matchups, finding where all the weaknesses are in the defense, rather than kind of playing this throw it down the field every other play, because that's not quite his style. So kind of leading on from that, we saw them wait until the sixth round to address any skill position players on offense. You know, they got Kayshawn Booty. They got Demario Douglas. I think those guys could be potential sleepers. I think they kind of round out with Taekwon Thornton, a pretty ex- uh, explosive young group of wideouts. But can you let me know what you think about whether or not the Patriots offense has enough weapons around Mac? Obviously, this is something that, you know, every coach is getting asked about, every player is getting asked about. But from what you see with Bill O'Brien there, do you think they have enough to compete with some really good defenses they're going to have to face in the AFC East and then in uh, the rest of their schedule as well? Because there's NFC East on there too, so it's not easy, a.k.a. Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got uh, a lot of good teams that you're going to be playing over the next, you know, couple of months here and you know the afc is certainly loaded top to bottom i mean again when they added john smith and hunter henry a couple of off seasons ago and the back of every patriots fan's mind was the idea of the 12 personnel look right Mm -hmm. like they're going to get back to 12 they're going to use tempo they're going to force you to declare your intentions as a defense you stay big they go spread you know, you go, you stay small, you treat it like 11, you know, we'll run, you know, we'll condense the formation a bit. It didn't work out. It, it mm-hmm. didn't work out. The Jusecki acquisition, I, I think is potentially a road back to that. 
Mm -hmm. You start thinking about, okay, well, you know, you could have a 12 of Jacecki and obviously Hunter Henry, and then say Parker and Juju with Wandre as your running back. You can do some different things out of that. You can get to five wide from that because of Ramondre's skill set and his footwork and what he can do in the passing game. And so if you're a defense, you treat that like traditional 12, you stay big, you stay base. They can spread that out and you could get some of those favorable matchups. And then, you know, if you decide, no, 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 we're going to get carved up, we'll get light. Jacecki can do enough blocking from like the slot and Juju is a good blocker, like from the slot where you can create some run game opportunities there as well. And so I think if that's the vision, I think they might have, I don't want to say enough weapons. I don't think you can ever have enough, but they might be able to create some explosive plays in the run game and the passing game. I think when you look at sort of get it into even, you know, 11 and three wide, you know, you, I think between, you know, what we saw from Parker last year and the chemistry that he was developing with Mac Jones, what we've seen over his career with Juju, like there's two very solid options right there. Mm-hmm. It's a question of wide receiver three. I think obviously Taekwon's going to get that. You know, you might see more of Kendrick Bourne. I think Bill O'Brien is going to sort of let him out of the proverbial doghouse we saw Bourne in last year, which I th- I would love to see because I thought Bourne is a, yes. a, what he's used, an explosive player. I mean, let's not forget. KB high, baby. Yeah, and let's not forget. Look, you might see more Marcus Jones on offense. Uh, like you might see more of that too. And so I and Demario think, Douglas also has a similar skill. And I know set you're a, you're a fan of Demario. I know you're yeah. a fan of him. You've you've put out a lot of clips, which have been fantastic to see. Like, you know, and he's also, I think, gonna contribute on special teams. People are like, mm-hmm. why are you drafting these guys late? You need guys on special teams too. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think you know, we'll know more as we get August as we get to August and we see more from this team, but I think there's, there's potential. There's at least an idea that they can attack in a couple of different ways with 12, with 11, you know, spread you out a bit. And so I'm excited to see what this offense could look like, you know, come training camp, come the summer when we get to see it on the field, I I think there's potential and look, get a booty where they did. You know, I went back, I looked at, you know, my way too early mock draft from last May. I had Stroud to Houston. I had Jordan Addison to Minnesota. I was very excited about those. Beast. So you take take some victory laps on that. But then my pick, my sixth overall pick to Jacksonville is Keishon Boutier. Like he was getting first round buzz and he fell down boards. He had some drop issues. He had some off the field issues. He was dismissed from the team late in the season. No, and then he goes to the combine and it's a 29 inch vertical. And it's not the athleticism we were expecting to see. And so, that's why he's available in the sixth round. But this is yeah. somebody that a lot of people looked at and thought, here's a first round NFL wide receiver. And you got him in the sixth round. I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, sometimes a, a humble experience like that could could light a fire under him. And so I'm excited about this draft. And look, the kicker and the punter, I thought, were great picks too. Oh, yeah. So, sneaky. Very sneaky. sneaky. And look, Ryland's, you know, 20 minutes down the street from me down at College Park. And oh, he's wow. a great kicker. Yeah. And nice. so it's a very, it's a, it's a, it was a different draft class. They did some things differently than we thought they would. But I think when you take a step back and look at it, it's a good draft class. Yeah, especially with the kicker. One thing we always got to think about is the best bad weather kicker whenever they're in the market in the draft. He had the what? The 250 yarders at the I big house so, yeah. in, in like, you know, weather. It was elements like you got to be able to kick in Foxborough in December. And yeah. I think we've seen his ability to do that. Yeah. And so you mentioned, like, like you said, I've been posting clips of Demario Douglas, even Booty, trying to find their best scheme fit. And when I was looking at, you know, Patriots dynasty clips, because obviously that's the standard 
I was seeing a lot of how Edelman was used, where when he's at Z, he's going to come in motion, get advantages against man, bumping into the slot sometimes, using so we can get space. I thought that was kind of Booty's role as a yep. guy who's a good route runner, but is also aggressive and effective after the catch. And Demario Douglas is more of an Amendola, where it's slot only. He's running like 90% quick outs, but it's because of his elusiveness and his route running, he can turn those into bigger plays. In terms of maybe scheme overlap, do you see – uh, possibly things that we're going to see exactly the same from McDaniel's era coming to Bill O'Brien because obviously they brought, were brought up in the same system in New England. And do you see any key differences maybe that Bill O'Brien's going to bring that we didn't see as much with McDaniel's? Yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously there will be a lot of philosophical overlap. I mean, mm -hmm. option routes, you know, moving players around, um, combination routes and things like that that I think we saw during the McDaniel's and even during the O'Brien era originally, mm -hmm. I think those will be back. Um, I, I think, you know, everybody's copy of the 16 Patriots playbook that was gathering dust that we have on our bookshelves oh, yeah. last season. <laughs> you can dust it off. You know, we'll be using that uh, it's come good. the fall. It yeah, it's good. good. It's good to see that back and all the code names we can start throwing around like, yeah. you know, Seattle and all the, you know, NBA names that they have for, you know, three level concepts and things like that. Mm -hmm. I, I think what I'm curious to see is, how much of the offense under O'Brien looks like the Brady Patriots offense he ran here or say, you know, the Bryce Young Alabama offense. Um, what were the big differences the there that you've seen? I mean, ob obviously uh, the reliance on the RPO game, mm -hmm. I, I think will be a very interesting thing to watch. Um, obviously a lot of RPOs in that Alabama offense, second and third level RPOs where, you know, third level, second level RPO, you sort of read a linebacker, third level, a lot, you know, less frequent, but you could be reading a safety. If there's a safety coming down or something like that, you might be reading them. I think you see more air raid concepts mixed in with, you know, mesh and, you know, shallows and things like that, that, you know, maybe weren't used as much with Brady, but there was, they look, they still ran mesh when, when Brady mm -hmm. was here and things like that, but you saw it a lot more frequently um, at Alabama under O'Brien. And so, you know, that sort of air raid college RPO type offense, you know, that's the one thing that you saw more from O'Brien at Alabama than you did when he was in Foxborough. And I'm very curious to see if we see more of that here, because it would make sense that you know, that kind of Alabama offense that Jones would have some sort of familiarity with it. Now, you know, there were all these stories that Jones sat down with O'Brien and taught him the offense. It seems like O'Brien kind of pushed back on that, said, yeah, we yeah. passed in the hallway or something. So, right. you know, maybe that little story that we all told that I probably told on 75 different radio shows, you know, over the past couple of months since they hired O'Brien isn't quite accurate. But you would think that, you know, the offense that was in place in Alabama that O'Brien called for Young, that Mac Jones will be able to run some of that stuff as well. So I, I think that might be where you see a little bit of a, a, a question, a change, like how much is he going to adapt the out, bring the Alabama offense here? Or is it going to really just be, okay, this is kind of what it looked like under Brady. This is what we're going to be running here with Mac Jones. Yeah. And we saw Mac Jones have success with RPOs in college. That was something yeah. that ran a good amount at Alabama. So, and last year was basically all screens. So it wasn't really an effective RPO package. It was just very, very basic, mostly because they were pretty desperate. And Mesh, they did try to run a few times last year with varying degrees of success, obviously, because there wasn't a yeah. lot of coordination and, you know, it was pretty hit or miss. Yeah. Last one I got for you, Malik Cunningham. Now, this is an undrafted free agent signing right after the draft. I believe the Patriots gave him like a $200,000 contract, a lot of money guaranteed. Hints that he's someone who has a good chance at making the roster, whether it's practice squad or the 53. We'll see how that shakes out exactly. 
But he seems like, you know, an interesting quarterback prospect. He was productive, obviously a really good rusher. I was saying, like, looking at him in that uniform, running the same type of run schemes that Lamar Jackson did. Like, it's really hard not to see the overlap. Not as fast. That creativity and toughness is kind of there. But he's also someone who could play different positions for the Patriots. Said he'd be open to whatever they want to use him as. So what did you see from him as a passer and as an athlete? And how do you think the Patriots might be able to use him? I mean, first off, I, I I appreciate that he's open to playing different positions. Um, you know, that that's a great thing for him to say. He's a quarterback in my mind. Okay. Like okay. I I I really think that there is obviously it, it would sort of be a longer term developmental prospect at the quarterback right. position. But yes, what he does in the run game is dynamic and explosive. Like he had, I think, back a 30 and a 40 yard run on, you know, successive plays, I think, against Syracuse. Um, so he's 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 bring something to the table as a runner and yes that's the athleticism so if down the road the quarterback stuff doesn't work out you know maybe but then you see him fight in the pocket and and pocket feel pocket presence pocket poise it's such a tough thing you i often think you either have it or you don't he has it and there are moments when you see him stay in the pocket keep his eyes downfield you know, not drop his eyes in the face of multiple points of pressure, work through reads, and then get to like a backside dig route and rip a throw over the middle. You know, to me, that's high-level quarterback play. And the fact that, you know, there's there was competition for him, you know, in the start of the UDFA process, Tom Palacero said that there were multiple teams in on Malik on him, and the Patriots mm-hmm. had to sort of outbid them. Makes me think that maybe some teams were in there because they see a potential position switch, but I'm sure some others thought, hey, here's a developmental guy at the QB position that there's stuff here to work with and give him a year or two in our system and we can sort of maybe get him there. And so, again, I love that he said that. I love that he's willing to sort of help the team and do anything possible, but I think he's a developmental prospect at the position. And you look at you know, when it gets down to UDFA time and you have the opportunity to pick your spot, certainly the money sways you a bit. Mm-hmm. But with Zappy McSorley and now Cunningham behind Mac Jones, like there's an opportunity for him to sort of stick on this roster and, yeah. you know, practice squad or something like that, or even as QB three, depending on how things shake out, because he's a more dynamic, explosive runner than McSorley. If you think yeah. we'll have a QB three, maybe for some run game packages or just do something differently. Cunningham might be your choice there. And so I'm very excited to see him in mini camp. I'm excited to see him in training camp. Like I think there's something here with him. It's again, longer term prospect at the position, but there's potential for sure. That's awesome. Especially because we were talking about DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson yep. is someone who was pretty similar where right. you know, there's things to work on, but you see his work in the pocket, the way that he reads defenses, works the progressions. You see that there is a real NFL quarterback there. If you hone the skills plus the physical ability to give you immediate contributions where you either give them the run packages, like you said, or now they finally have a scout team. uh, That's the other thing. thing. Like you, you you can't overstate this. And I'm so glad you brought that up. It's such a great point because you think about the quarterbacks you're going to be seeing over Mm -hmm. the course of the season, right? You're going to be seeing Josh Allen twice to a tongue of twice, like right off the bat. Now you've got somebody that can, if nothing else, give you that look and get your defense ready to face what you're going to see on Sunday. That's huge. Like yeah. you, you're only as good sometimes as the people you get to practice against to prepare. And Cunningham now gives them that. That's probably why they brought McSorley in to begin with, because he's athletic as well. You know, but now Cunningham's athleticism gives them a much better look, I think, in practice. 
Absolutely. And I think I'm pretty sure in the past they've been using John Jones back there, or usually yep. it's just whoever fastest player is as Lamar Jackson whenever they face him. And the problem you always see is it takes Patriots defenders a minute to get used to his athleticism. It's just one of those things you can't gauge on the practice field. And now oh. Cunningham not only gives you that similar athleticism, obviously Lamar Jackson is like one of one. But a guy where when he's back there, it's not a guarantee that he's going to run because it's a guy who's out of position. Now the defense can actually get a good look from a passing perspective and a running perspective. So, Mark, that was incredible. Got my brain turning. I think I'm going to have to write a couple articles, honestly, after a there couple you go. I mean, if nothing else, look, it's better than I remember a couple of years ago, I, I somebody was using Andy Dalton, you know, as their Lamar uh, scout team quarterback. It's like, well, I don't know if that's the choice. That's an interesting Not quite. Not Nothing. exactly. No. Mark, thank you so much, man. Always a pleasure talking to you. Even more of a pleasure having you as my first ever guest. Please take this time to plug away anything you'd like. Well, Taylor, always uh, fantastic to be here. Uh, we got some post-draft stuff coming up um, over at SB Nation. We've done some stuff already. We'll have some more pieces up. You know, then, like I said, it, it's F1 time. We got Miami this weekend. Got a bunch of stuff up already. You know, we're going to have qualifying and practices and all that stuff. Working on something on Yuki Sonoda right now. So it's going to be a very busy week. It's going to be a very busy month in F1 because we've got Amola, you know, in the third week of the month. And then we go right to Monaco after that. We got three races this month. So it's going to be super fun. Oh, wow. But Taylor... My man, it's a bit of a blast, buddy. Appreciate you having me on. 